Your life experience, good or bad, is a gift when you share it with others. At Taxi Chronicles, we allow real riders with real stories to share their gift. So hopefully this episode will intrigue, enhance or inspire you. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe. Morning, morning, morning. Yes, we're back with another episode, another rider. Today we're honoured to have another fellow podcaster in the, in the house, in the car. And he's got a similar reason for doing podcasts as I have about young people and he's also in tech and he does something else so it's going to be an interesting conversation and see hopefully we can all learn something today so nice to have you here today thanks for having me what a wonderful spontaneous moment to talk to someone about something we equally care about (laughs) so let's start from the podcast first what made you want to do a podcast and how long have you been doing it so uh, I actually haven't uh, published any uh, content yet, but I've been interviewing people for about a year okay. and trying to, I've got all this great content, but I think the podcasting landscape is so dense and there's so much content out there that I'm trying to work out how can I make this as useful as possible to people rather than it being I don't want to, you know, fill a vacuum uh, or an echo, create an echo chamber. I think this is super cool because it's obviously super unique and you'll meet such interesting, I'm not sure I fit in that category, but such interesting, uh, diverse uh, views, especially uh, at the back of a taxi in London. Um, but the, the purpose of the podcast I'm putting together which is called Leaders for Tomorrow. You saved the name already, yeah? Yeah. The, okay, that's good. So I don't want you to say the name and someone thinks, someone tries to steal your name if you haven't saved it. Oh, you know, the name is, the name is somewhat irrelevant. It's more about the content. Okay. But um, it's really uh, me talking to sort of fellow leaders across industries uh, about the sort of greatest lessons and mistakes they've made uh, to inspire young people to, you know, act with confidence and vulnerability in the decisions that they make so many, so much so often people decide to make career decisions or life decisions based on what they think they should be doing or what other people are doing mm-hmm. um, but the you know folks that are most successful tend to uh, do what they feel is right for them um, follow their passion which sounds so cliche but that is how you make it uh, is doing something you love rather than doing something that you know TikTok has told you to do. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you. What What have you found when you first did your first episode? How did you feel? How was Was there any, like difficulties or how did it go down? Uh, so I thought that the way to kind of get into the best groove was to interview uh, the people that I'm sort of closest with and you know I can be most vulnerable with as well because it doesn't work if there's no connection you know between the two people whether it's you know someone new or someone you know I think connection is so important otherwise it feels like question answer question answer uh, so I think the the biggest issue is just making the other person feel comfortable being open uh, because it is it is 
you are asking someone to put their themselves out into the world and it's it doesn't work for the audience unless the person is giving themselves you know um it just feels uh you know stuck uh so i think that's one of the biggest things but actually my favorite part of it is just learning things about people through the questions you ask that you wouldn't tend to ask in a social setting you know you tend to get deeper with people uh and it sort of catches people off guard doesn't it because you're uh you know you're not it's not light chat it doesn't work if it's light well i mean it's not radio one but uh it doesn't really work if it's light chat people tend to be listening to a podcast to find something uh whether it's meaning or inspiration or knowledge uh so i i think it's the issue is getting people to open up but when they do it's i think really powerful is there based on all the interviews you've done what would you say you've learned the most um i think i've learned the courage to ask difficult questions uh because if you try and just scratch the surface or skate on the surface then you don't really find the deep stuff but you often are sort of scared i think to ask hard questions to people because it does create a kind of awkward uncomfortable moment for a second but what i think i've learned is that if you ask the deeper questions and this is true of life right if you ask yourself the tougher questions then you find the most meaning uh and it takes time when you're talking to people to learn that um it doesn't work if it's light banter right you need to you need to get to the you need to get to the meat like relationship yeah with the, yeah I, I see that totally relationship children if you don't ask the serious questions and you're not going to get the right answers or, or really know where the person's coming from so i can see that i can see that and ultimately you know the the audience uh that i want to inspire are young people who are you know looking for that meaning and looking for the answer and may not find it within the role models and their you know in their kind of circles uh i used to be a secondary school teacher and in some of the kind of most high poverty communities in london and you know one of my favorite parts of being a teacher was your ability to inspire a lot of people at once uh, or potential to or the your ability to really influence change in people's lives and so the podcast comes from the desire to reach a big audience that you could potentially inspire not me but the people I interview could inspire young people to think about the decisions that they make in their lives why did you want to become a teacher um so when I graduated university I really didn't know what I wanted to do uh with my life as most people don't when they're you know 20 uh and you know I talked to a bunch of friends about what are you doing with your career like what do you think you're doing and a bunch of them said you know they're going to become teachers and so I was like yeah let's let's give this a go um and I just it just opened my eyes. I had a I was quite I had quite privileged upbringing and uh I 
it really kind of opened my eyes to the kind of great inequalities uh, in society. And, you know, I didn't feel like I was just a teacher. I felt like I was on a social mission as well. Uh, so I'm really glad that um, I did it. Um, it was a really, really tough experience. You know, I taught in Eltham uh, and uh, in Shoreditch, actually. Um, but I re- teaching in Eltham really kind of opened my eyes. Yeah, it was it was really uh, it was really tough. Uh, you know, I was thrown into the deep end uh, in a context which I really couldn't relate to at all. And you know, the the kids' apathy towards education was so rife. You know, really, really, they did not want to be in school. They did not want to be in education. And uh, my job wasn't just to teach them to have, you know, to get good grades. It was to teach them to care about learning. And that's hard, right? Um, teaching the syllabus is one thing, but teaching them to care mm-hmm. about education is, is another. And how did you come over that hurdle, overcome the hurdle? Um, I think just, I think, like, bringing it home to them the kind of possibilities that could be created you know ultimately kids are motivated by money or think they should be motivated by money especially you know 16 so they uh i spent you know a lot of time to say you know well if you do this then you uh get this job and if you get this job then you have this amount of money unfortunately you know the superficial stuff worked uh, a lot of the time um (laughs) Uh, because they don't know any better, and if you it's it's a good enough carrot. If that's the carrot that gets people going, then yeah. so be it. Um, but also, just I really, really, really cared about them, and you know, I wasn't. It wasn't just a job. I genuinely cared, and I think that was clear to them. Uh, and I think, I think a lot of the time, the kids did it for me rather than for themselves. Well, that shows you had a connection. Yeah, but you know, sadly, you wish they were. You know, you wish you were doing it for them because I can't, you know, be there forever. Um, So when I was a kid, my parents, you know, used a bit of a carrot sometimes to, you know, if you get an A, then we'll, you know, get you a new shirt, you know, and that's all good and all. But fortunately, I don't, um, I'm not motivated by any carrots anymore. But there's a risk that if you, you know, motivate people by dangling incentives, then they will, uh, you know, just keep looking for those. Uh, yeah, or like an incentive-based policy of trying to get, like if you say, like, if you uh, if you get an A, then I'll give you 20 minutes extra lunch. You know, are you working for the A or are you working for the 20 minutes extra lunch? But then when they go to work, it's the same principle, isn't it? If you work for me, give you this amount of money then yeah. you can buy uh, the latest Kardashian outfit or <laughs> do you see what I mean? That's or, very little fabric. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it yeah, I think it get me more fabric. When did it when did it become appealing to uh, have less? but something you I don't know, but something you said earlier about that it's um, that it's 
you got the incentive from them through the money, but it's wrong. I kind of think uh, there's a. I'm not sure. There was a documentary about. Oh, as a, sorry, as you've been a teacher, you probably know about that incentive scheme where people, students, will get paid to turn up and get good grades at school. Yeah. And you know the history of that. It came from America. Really, I didn't know. Yeah, that. come from this. There's a black American who ended up in Harvard, and he said he came from the, one of those ghetto areas, and he remembers sitting around the dinner table, uh, lunch thing hall with his uh, other university friends, and they were explaining how they're going to get this job, be in this university, and um, well, sorry, they're going to get this job, and they need to get this grade, blah, blah, blah. and the whole land, line life is planned out for them because their fathers who are CEOs and stuff had said you're going to do this and that and it's all planned but then he looked at himself and he looked at his friends from where he came from and their fathers were drug dealers uh, in gangs etc so that was their aspiration mm. so um, both what he said he learned from that if you give people an incentive then they'll do the right thing no matter even if it's the overall thing what he's saying is the outcome mm. if you see what I'm saying yeah and um, it doesn't matter how you get to be as long as yeah, you get to be yeah yeah um, because it's better on society people contributing and later on they find out what they really want to be than they do in that respect yeah that's what, that's what I was thinking I suppose you know if, if the worst re result is that a young person gets further forward where you know the odds are stacked against them then so be it if we had to dangle a carrot like I, I totally you know I, I very much agree with that um, because ultimately the the destination is so important when you have so much you know in your path what you're in you're you're working in IT now uh, IT was IT manager no 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 now now I'm a, I run a I actually run a business school an online business school okay a um, business school that's good so still a, an education in, in okay. some way but it's a ted, ed tech startup so it's uh we're an online platform we help people um change their careers so you really um heads you really set on helping people you've got a really good heart from the sound of it everything well, you've <laughs> talked about is helping people yeah, I mean, I think a lot about legacy uh, and how, maybe selfishly, I think, how will people remember me? And I don't want to be remembered for, I don't know, making loads of money or or not being remembered. You know, I want to be, if I'm going to, if someone's going to write a press release about my life, I'd like it to say a lot about how I, you know, changed other people's lives because... You know, we're all sharing this place together, so mm -hmm. let's try and make it best for each other. I think one thing the pandemic's definitely taught me and hopefully taught others too is what's important. Um, and it's not wearing what Kim Kardashian's wearing, um, it, hopefully. It's, uh, you know, supporting each other because mm -hmm. uh, we're all pillars to each other. And uh, yeah, it probably comes from being a teacher and being exposed to, you know, new realities for me but I generally like I, f I really feel for people and um, and you know mm -hmm. I want to make other people's lives better okay. that's good you've been a great guest couple more questions left 
What were the catalysts that made you change careers? You sound like you've had quite a few different things. What were the catalysts? Um, interesting question. I think it's I think it's about impact, and I think whilst I loved being a teacher, I knew that if I left the classroom and built something myself, uh, I would be able to build something that would impact more people's lives than just the confines of my classroom. Mm -hmm. And so I left and I helped set up an education charity, uh, which helped teachers raise money for opportunities for kids in the classroom, like field trips and um, iPads and stuff like that. And so I, I recognized that, you know, impact could be made greater. Um, and so I've, I've essentially just tried to bounce into either new demographics where I can have an impact on different types of people um, at different uh, stages in their lives, or one where I feel like I can really help thousands. I want to help millions, right? And uh, I so I, I gravitate towards opportunities for greater impact. Um, and also, you know, I'm an entrepreneur in my uh, heart of hearts, so I tend to get bored and want to bounce into building something new. I've built uh, two charities and one company, and um, I think building is fun. What was your charities called? Uh, so one uh, was called uh, Rocket Fund, uh, which was then acquired by Crowdfunder, and it was a, a crowdfunding platform for teachers. And uh, the second I'm still running is called Out in Tech, and it's a, a sort of a network for LGBT people in the tech uh, sector. Okay. And there are 3,000 members uh, around uh, the UK, uh, and I yeah, set that up in London uh, four years ago. Okay, sounds, yeah, sounds like you've been busy. <laughs> yeah, and on, and on Thursdays I sleep. On Thursdays you sleep. Yeah, okay. Thursdays I sleep. Oh, with you, with you. Well, you still got a couple of hours to stay awake. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. I mean, the it's also you know what's really important is when you do good things, you also meet really interesting people. You know, it's uh, the kind of greatest side effect of building things for others is you meet so many other interesting people who also care about doing that, right? Who also care about building things and having impact and solving problems. And those are really interesting people. And I've met, I'm so lucky to have met so many really inspiring people all around the world that want to solve problems and, you know, makes for a good dinner conversation. Yeah, it does, And the back of a taxi. <laughs> yes, it certainly, certainly does. See? Great, great, um, like I said, great guest. Oh, the last question, it was on the tip of my tongue and it just slipped my, my memory of that. But thanks a lot for that. Where can people find you if they want to get in touch with your apps and all this kind of thing? Have you got a social media handle that they can find you on? Yeah, they can do. I guess I'm on, I'm on Twitter um, and my Twitter is Oliver Beach. Oh, uh, Oliver M. Beach. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a big uh, social media user. I was say, do you uh, want to spell that? Everybody always spells it. 
Yeah, in fact, I'm just going in my profile to double check. Yeah, Oliver M. Beach. Uh, Oliver, like, Oliver Twist M. For Mark and Beach, like the seaside. Uh, okay. So that's uh, that's me. Our Instagram is Oliver Beach UK. Uh, I don't know why. I'm not global. Uh, but uh, that's how you find me. And if you, you care about education and social impact, then that's what I chat about. Remember now, thank you, Oliver. What I would say is for fellow podcaster, those episodes that you've got, don't worry about if the market's saturated or whatever, just get them out. People will find them, you'll start to hear people liking them, they'll send you comments about thank you, you help. And even if you just help one person, even if it just helps one person, it's done, it's doing its job. Totally right. Thank, thanks, thanks for giving me the confidence. <laughs> Far from that, thanks a lot, and I wish you well. We hope you liked that Taxi Chronicles interview. Don't forget to share and subscribe to get the latest episode. Ever considered investing in a continent with the fastest growing economies and population on Earth? The same continent that holds 30% of the world's known natural resources. Listen to our sister podcast, Africa Investor Stories, where you hear real investors with real stories from around the world share their experience of investing in Africa. We post Monday and Thursday at 10am British Standard Time.